This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as Sheacup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as SheCup. And I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I am Austin, otherwise known as Teacup. So I hear we have a really, really interesting topic today. Uh, One that may not get to be fully covered in this one episode. So that is correct. Today we have a character deep dive, and similar to our last character deep dive on a character of this import much importance, it will be two episodes. So, clarifying question, when you say a character of this much importance, do you mean all of the like game protagonists will probably have to be covered in multiple episodes? If I had to guess, yes. Gotcha, okay. All right, so today we are covering Eivor Varen's Doctor, or Eivor Wolfkist, also known as the protagonist of AC Valhalla. So if you have not yet played Valhalla, if you have not finished the last chapter, first go play last chapter. It's pretty good, and it's not very long, so it shouldn't take you very long, but... This will be two parts, at least two parts. So this is Eivor's story that I'm going to be covering. So for those of you who know, this is your spoiler warning. But for those of you who know, Eivor is a sage of Odin. Odin will make some appearances here, but I'm not going to go into the Asgard storylines because those are Odin's storylines and this is an Eivor so, today we're going to start with the fun facts. Wait, we're starting with the fun facts today? Uh-huh. Why is that? Just because I think they give an interesting background. Interesting. You're not taking a page out of my book for a Dragon Age lore cast, are you? Maybe. Who cares? <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump right in. All right. So, Eivor is canonically female. Even though you can play as a male in AC Valhalla, Eivor in all official media is canon female. Now, the way Ubisoft explains this is because Eivor is an Isu sage, she contains two strands of DNA. So if you choose the option, let the animus decide for your gender, you will be female Eivor when you are in our world in uh, England, Norway, Ireland, France. You will be male Eivor when you are experiencing Odin's visions and visions of Asgard, Jotunheim, and the other DLCs. So, 
That also being said, Eivor is the first player character to be a sage. And this is just a really kind of fun historical. Though this is not confirmed by Ubisoft, Eivor seems to be based on a legendary character from around the 9th century CE, who was said to walk the line between Saxon and Dane. It is also rumored that there was a Dane that would advise King Alfred of Wessex. Many Viking, many of these Viking stories take from these myths and legends. One example being Uhtred from the Last Kingdom show or the Last Kingdom novel series. Um, I can't. I haven't read the novels, so I don't know if they have an official name other than the Last Kingdom books. But yes, it is called the. Um, oh my gosh, I've read all twelve of them. I should know. Um, I think it's the, I think it's the Saxon series, um, mm -hmm. or the Saxon stories actually, but yes, it's, um, really, I read all of the books this year. We, Austin and I have both watched the show together, like three or four times. Um, it's one of our favorite shows and the books are, you know, it's classic, but the books are better um, and just give a, a, a deeper perspective to the story. So if you like Uhtred in the last kingdom, definitely read the books. I know that 12 is a lot of books, um, but you get, you get way more in that story and it's just a really yeah. good story. Also, if you're a religious nerd and you want one of what I think is one of the best adaptations of what everyday medieval Christianity would have looked like. I think that's a good show to portray yeah, it. I agree. Um, so another example would be some of our modern day interpretations of Ragnar Lothbrok. Though, with these two examples, Eivor is not an actual historical person. Uhtred and Ragnar were. They were actual historical people though the shows and books that draw from them tend to draw from their parts of their history and add in some of the myth and legends that surround this kind of mythological legendary Viking figure that roamed them around and drew the line between Saxon and Dane, which, you know, and in all likelihood, there were several of them and they've all kind of been told into this one person across history. Right, because it's like not, especially in like the later part of the ninth century, and like as you get later in time, it the separations between Saxon and Dane become smaller. Um, you have a lot mm -hmm. of intermarriage and stuff like that. So the the sides of Saxon versus Dane, they very much become less and less important as time goes on. Right. So. That's our little fun kind of historical background. So let's get into Eivor's life. All right, this is your last chance. Since this is the most recent game, this is your last chance for spoilers. These are big spoilers for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Are you talking to me or our listeners? Yes. <laughs> um, you don't have a choice. Sorry. So Eivor was born in 847 CE or common era. Her parents are Rasta and Varen, hence the name Varen's daughter, which means Varen's daughter. So there would be a different, obviously in Norse, there would be a different like ending to Varen's for 
like son of Varen for a male Eivor. But since she's canonically female, there's her name. So Eivor had a pretty normal childhood as far as AC standards of normal go. Um, she would spend her time listening to her father's stories, stacking Karen stones, which are just kind of like a stacking stones that you do um, with her mother as they would tell stories and different stories of their family's history, Norse mythology, all kinds of stuff like that. When she was eight, her father sought to strengthen the bond of their family with the Raven clan, whose king was Stearborn, and his son would be Sigurd. So during the feast to celebrate the union, Kivote the Cruel of the Wolf clan would attack the um, Eivor's home, their family home. Kivote would take the Raven clan by surprise. And after the fighting, he would basically seclude Varen around that. And Varen, he tells Varen to throw down his axe and die as a coward. And to save his people, he does so. At many people urging him not to. Uh, and this allows Kivote to kill him. However, Kivote did not keep his word. And he attacked the people anyway. Uh, killing Varen and Rasta, leaving Eivor orphaned and her father forever branded a coward. Which, a little historical background, this would be a very big deal for a Vikinger to lay down their axe willingly and let someone kill them. Right, because like in their culture, they believe, and if you've watched any of the Viking TV shows, you know this, they believed that if you didn't die to if you didn't die with your weapon, like you didn't get to go to the afterlife, you didn't get to go to Valhalla, the name of the game. Um, so the fact that Eivor's dad willing, not only like doesn't die with his weapon, he like willingly gives it up is a really big deal. And it would forever stain Eivor's name. Right. Um, so Eivor would attempt to escape after this with Sigurd on horseback, but something happens to where the horse gets spooked and they fall. And she's then attacked by wolves and they attack her and leave her neck scarred. And this would earn her the named wolf kissed as her neck bears the scars of a wolf bite. Eivor would then be adopted by Stearborn and the Raven clan and would grow up around her foster brother Sigurd. So that's her early life. Any comments? So Sigurd is the the son of Steerborn. Okay. So okay. So Sigurd is part of the Raven clan. Mm-hmm. Kyote Ve. How do you say this? Kyote. Kyote Ve is part of the Wolf Clan, and Eivor is part of the what clan? Raven clan. Okay, so both Searborn and Eivor and Sigurd are all part of the Raven clan. Yes. So Varen and Rasta, they had a kind of like small village and small gathering. They basically opted to join the Raven clan. Okay. Gotcha. So after this, Steerborn decides to adopt Eivor, making her Raven clan. Gotcha. So I think the first thing that really, and this is the only thing I have so far, this surprises me and stands out to me that Eivor, her family is attacked by 
the Jarl of the Wolf Clan, and she narrowly escapes and immediately gets attacked by wolves. And then the, her name from then on is Wolf Kissed. Yes. Uh, ironic and cruel of God, frankly. Right. Um, much symbolism in the story. And it's also symbolism in the fact that we know, and we've talked about in the podcast, that Eivor is a sage of Odin, and Odin's ultimate fate is at the hands of Fenrir the wolf right that too mm-hmm. all right well let's get into Avor's life as a raven so Sigurd Sigurd being the Jarl's son he obviously goes out and raids in the time he goes and he raids other places across Europe and Asia Avor is not a vikinger to raid out to there she is a um She's charged with the defense of the Raven clan lands from Kibiote Bay. And Avor would raid a settlement of the wolf that the wolf clan had occupied. After the battle, Avor is attacked by a, sway, a slave woman who identifies herself as Gull. Avor subdues this woman and returns with her to Steerborn. Now, when Eivor comes back, she's expecting this kind of grand acceptance and like, oh, right, yeah, you stuck it to the wolf clan. You're a true Viking. Like, we did this. Well, Steerborn is not happy. He berates Eivor for invoking Kyotbe's wrath by stealing his slave. And says that Eivor is too hot-headed and too eager for war. So, Eivor, enraged by this humiliation, she vents to her friend, Tora, about her frustrations with Steerborn, and upon hearing this, the slave gull promises to lead Eivor to the Aesir Horde. She promises to do that because Eivor didn't beat her and Eivor wasn't cruel to her, so she's going to give her what she has always denied, Kivyote. During the journey... Avor and Gull become friends, especially after Avor saved Gull from falling off the mountain on the path to where this treasure is. However, when arriving at the treasure's location, Avor sees that the temple is ransacked and Kyote's men are waiting for her. It is revealed that Gull was attempting to hand Avor over as a present to the wolf clan. And the men attacked her, and she fends off most of them. However, she's stabbed in the back by Gull, both metaphorically and literally. At what point do you stop trusting this person? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Avor claims that she will not be a slave, and that she will claim whatever treasure that is in the temple in Steerborn's name. The leader of the group, uh, Bjark Broadside, tells her that Steerborn is dead as a result of a raid on their home. Bjark becomes then frustrated with Gull because she will not tell him or lead him to where the treasure is and begins to beat her. When he's about to kill her, Abel tackles him, saving Gull. Uh, Bjark is startled by this, that this Viking would save the woman who just tried to kill her. Uh, he throws Aver off however the foundations of the temple begin to shake and Bjark becomes distracted Eivor uses this moment to thrust a sword through Bjark's head in the struggle 
uh, Eivor discovers the treasure by kicking a wall made of rotten wood. The treasure was marked as the treasure of Heimdall, and it contained piles of gold and an apple of Eden. So after the struggle, Gull attempts to take the apple, claiming that she would never be a slave again. Eivor attempts to take it from Gull, but Gull tells her that she has a choice to save her people or get the apple, basically revealing that Bjark's buff that her home was being attacked was true and that she could either choose to get the apple or she could choose to save her people. Eivor chooses the former and leaves to Gull to her fate. So Gull leaves with the apple. Now, I made a note here. We do not know if this is a new apple or if this is one of the seven apples we talked about in um, the apple episode. If you had to make a guess, which one would you say? I would say it's probably one of the seven because there's so much time that's unaccounted for in those apples. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that really stick out to me. The first thing I'm curious about, how old is Eivor in this time period? Um, It's around 870 CE. So how old is she? 23? 23? Yeah, she's born in 847. So do you feel like she's like young and really trying to prove herself with all of this? I think so. Yeah, I very much feel that um, just from your presentation. And obviously I haven't played the game yet, um, but I feel like Eivor has something to prove. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I'm noticing. The second thing I'm noticing is this goal character very much is presented as like in how you're telling it is very much presented as like a one-off character as someone who like doesn't play a huge role but then by the end it's like oh actually this person's really important would you agree with that yes i would definitely agree with that i would also agree with that in the sense of she when she takes the apple it seems to activate something in her and she starts spouting some random nonsense and now this this material is not found in Valhalla it is found in one of the offshoot comics and it's just really interesting because it implies that she has some kind of connection to the Isu in some way but we're not really sure what that is or where she is and like I'm curious like when they say yes you can write and illustrate this comic I wonder if these comic People are like, oh, let's weave something into the greater story or let's just write these one-off stories that we think are fun, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would assume that they have some pretty strict direction uh, from Ubisoft. I, I really don't see them just giving the writers like total free reign over stuff. But, you know, I guess we, we don't really have confirmation of that either way. Right. That's true. Well, I think now would be a good time for our break, and then we can get back and see what happens with the Raven Clan. Already? Wow. Okay. Makose! Shoot! Shoot a flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill fit for whatever it is you're plotting. <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. 
No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many, but never have I heard of dull and duller. So welcome to the middle of the show. This is our break period. This is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the dry or with the Assassin's Creed lore cast, but not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing I want to do is to remind you that we have a Patreon. We have a few patrons and we are so appreciative of them. And so if you want to financially support us, you appreciate the work we do here, definitely hop over and join the Patreon. The Patreon is the number one way to support us. You know, we put out this show and do this work for free and don't charge you anything. So um, if you would like to help us keep putting out the show and keep making this content for you um, the best way to support us is to do that on patreon so um, the next best way to support us if you can't afford to support us financially is to leave us a, a good rating and review you can leave us a rating um, without words on spotify and you can leave us a rating with words on apple and like i mentioned if you leave us a five-star good rating we will read it out on the show but today we don't have any to read so we are going to move on to the next thing which the next thing that i want to talk about is the discord we have a hop in discord server the link um, to it is in the episode description um, we have just really the best time over there there's um, fans of all of our shows from the assassin's creed lore cast to the dragon age lore cast to the um, inheritance cycle page by page show and austin's other show the holocron histories show so there are all kinds of topics that we talk about from Star Wars to Assassin's Creed, the Dragon Age, Bioware, all kinds of stuff and everything in between, everything that is not included in those categories. And we just generally have a fun time hanging out with one another. So definitely get into the Discord if you um, want to be our friend or want to talk to us more about some of the things we talk about in the show. Discord is the best way um, to contact us also if you have any kind of questions or anything like that. So those are all of the important things I have to tell you. Um, let's talk about my playthrough for a little bit. I'm still in sequence nine. Um, you know, it is Christmas time, so I haven't made a lot of progress. I'm really hoping to finish this game by the end of December. Hopefully I'll have a little bit of free time um, after Christmas. I'll have a little bit of, of PTO time for my full-time job. So hopefully I'll have some time then to finish it and move into Liberation and Black Flag. Hopefully Liberation doesn't take me a long time because I feel like Black Flag is going to be a long game. Do you have any thoughts? Yes, Black Flag will take you a long time. There's just a lot of do to do. Well, do you have anything else before we get back into the show? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm turning it over to you. Me, Haytham. I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow? <sighs> Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Bianca! Bianca! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place. I'm poor Bianca. 
If something's happened to her... Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. All right, so we last left Eivor as she rushes to try to save the clan. So she returns to find the settlement completely being sacked by the wolf clan. She comes in and she sees that her friend Tora has been killed. Uh, she uses this kind of as a rallying point and brings other Vikings, including the Viking Dag, who will play a point later, probably in next episode, and to defend the home from the wolf clan. Uh, she rallies all the Vikings to defend their king, Steerborn. Uh, Eivor saves the day, and Steerborn praises her for her bravery. However, some people question where she was and why she wasn't present for the start of the attack. She simply says that it does does not matter, as today I chose family over glory. You should keep that in mind as we continue the rest of her story. I chose family over glory. Okay. Which, I'll put that I, in my back pocket. Yeah. As someone who has consumed a fair amount of Viking media... That is both very Viking and very not Viking. I feel like it's interesting that you say it's very Viking because I don't feel like it's very Viking at all. I mean, mm -hmm. it's obviously not Viking in the sense of you would not want to ever sacrifice your reputation or like your ability or chance to, to get into Valhalla at all. So I feel like it's not. That's why it's not Viking, but um, maybe you can explain now or later. It doesn't really matter why you think it is Viking. Well, I think it is Viking in a sense of like, I don't think a Viking would make family and glory exclusive terms. Like they would be interlinked to each other. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Right. But it also points to a point of like, Eivor has now like reached this point of the Ra she is Raven Clan. The Raven Clan is her family, even though she wasn't born into the Raven Clan. And I think this shows that in Norse culture, in a lot of Viking culture, that idea of found family or adopted family would be very important. Um, there would their definition of family would not be of blood. It would be something that is much more fluid. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think we do see this in other Viking stories, too. Like, I don't think that's something that's unique to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, especially when we think about, I'll compare it to Uhtred and the Last Kingdom, because that's the one I'm most familiar with. But, you know, Uhtred is the, he was raised as a Saxon up until he's like eight or nine years old. And um, his dad dies uh, in a battle with, with Danes and he the, the whole reason why he isn't killed or um sold as a slave is because he tries to fight um the the dane that was leading the army against his family and and he stands up to to this dane and the dane who's named ragnar thinks it's funny and is like oh okay so like you're a little kid you got some fight in you and so he takes him as his household slave and then eventually he becomes like ragnar's son and so utrid is He's a kid that grows up for most of his childhood as a Saxon. And then in his most formative years, um, like your fourth grade ish time, 
he becomes part of a Danish family and he, he remains in that family until he becomes an adult. So that's not, I don't think that's an um, unusual story for a four. And I think this is part of the thing that brings in so much tension between the Saxon and the Danes in particular is because the Saxons in a lot of ways bought into all this nobility and they're like, well, I'm the son of this and this entitles me to this. And the Vikings very much have an earned culture of like, we don't care who your father is. What have you done? Right. As long as you can prove yourself, it doesn't matter. Right. So obviously Eivor and the Raven clan are not going to let this attack stand. Even though Steerborn does not want them to, Eivor would lead an attack on the Wolf Clan village in hopes of finding Kyobe. However, she only finds his youngest son and a treasure chest that's missing some important scrolls that she's supposed to find. Eivor would then track Kyobe and his other son, Gorm, to a hunting lodge. As they begin to fight, Avor would w- wound Gorm and then would be wounded by Kyobe. Kyobe would use this opportunity to flee, and Avor would tell her raiding party to wait, and that an opportunity for revenge would prevent itself present itself at another time. Again, another thing that's not very Viking. Yeah, Vikings aren't really known for their patience. <laughs> right. So, and now the hunt is on for Kyobe. Aver would hunt him, and this would eventually lead to her capture, where Kyobe would taunt her by showing her father's axe into her face. And then he leaves, saying that she will be sold into slavery. Avor would escape her captors and then flee and then free her crew and leave to continue to hunt for the Jarl of the Wolf Clan. As Eivor returns to Fronberg, the home of the Raven Clan, Steerborn is not happy with her and tells her again that she is too eager for war and that Kyotve would be dealt with in time. When Eivor touches Varen's axe, she receives a strange vision. It's a vision of like a big tree and the skies are all red. It's really weird. Uh, so she, when she returns to Fronberg, she comes to the seer's hut up in the mountains. And the seer gives her a potion so that she can kind of relive her vision, which she sees the Nonir. She sees her brother Sigurd, who only has one arm, and a great wolf. And she wakes up and she's very, very upset. And the seer basically says, like, oh, this is a vision of betrayal. You will betray Sigurd. And Aver's like, no, I would never. And she runs away. So after that, she returns and she's meeting again with the king who is upset with her. And it's this point that Sigurd finally returns to Fronberg from his voyages. And he is accompanied by none other than Basim and Hytham, two hidden ones from the Middle East. So Sigurd comes back with Basim and Hytham, not a yes. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Because he was oh. over in Constantinople. Interesting. That's very interesting. Do we know why he was over there? Raiding. 
Just, just that's the only reason we know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So after meeting with Basm, he gives Avor a hidden blade, which she takes and wears on her forearm instead of under her arm around the wrist for reasons. Her reason being that a weapon like that should be displayed so it can be feared. But if you play the game, it doesn't really make sense how it would work because you'd have to bend your arm weird. And But at this point, A4 is not part of the assassins. Correct. There has been, in all of this episode so far, there has been no mention of the assassins or the Templars. Correct. Or at this point, the hidden ones in order of ancients. Right. Sure. Sure. Gotta be technical over here. Mm -hmm. To be fair, though, the first like four sequences of AC2 don't mention assassins or Templars at all. I mean, don't you feel like it's hinted at, though, with his dad and this whole secret knowledge and everything? If you've played AC1. Do you feel like there are as many hints in the opening sequences of Valhalla about the Assassins and the Templars as there are in previous games, such as Assassin's Creed 2? Not really. Not until you meet Basm and Hytham. And to be fair, it's like the third mission in the game. So a lot of what I've covered before is, is in comic material. And this is like very early on in the game. Right. So they spend the night kind of swapping stories, Basm, Sigurd, Hytham, and Eivor. And their sharing of their different conquests and their different struggles that they faced. And Eivor and Sigurd decide it's time to take the fight to the Wolf Clan's doorstep. And Basm and Hytham agree to help them. And so after several raids on the Wolf Clan strongholds, Sigurd and Eivor meet King Harold Fairhair. And yes, his hair is very fair. Who pledges to help them defeat Kyotve. As the newly formed alliance prepares for ba- battle, Basm tells Eivor that Kyotve is a member of the Order of Ancients and that he and Hytham have come to kill him. As the battle is about to begin, Eivor challenges Kyotve to one-on-one combat, which Kyotve agrees. So this is very similar to he cha- I, Eivor goes and challenges Kyotve to one-on-one combat with a thing of like, if I win we win the battle and we take your clan. If you win, we'll go home and leave you alone. So the fight ensues. It is your first kind of boss fight for the game. And Kyove is kind of like a beast. He's very tanky. He's very bulky. He moves around. And so the fight kind of goes on and you're moving. And at some point you get, you fall into a trench with Kyove. And it's at this point that Hytham attempts to air assassinate Kyove while he's distracted. And it's like, it's a big scene. Like you expect it to go like a typical assassination scene. Like, oh, he's going to kill him and it's going to be the end. Kyotve grabs Hytham with his hand out of the air. And then throws him off, injuring the assassin permanently. So Eivor continues the fight and does eventually kill Kyotve, avenging her father and shedding the curse of his cowardice. Gorm, obviously enraged by his father's death, attempts to attack the Raven clan and resends his father's promise that they would 
bow down and let the fight be won. So a true siege and battle ensues. They are able to take the city, but Gorm in his own cowardness flees and lives to fight another day. And that's where we'll pause with Eivor's story for now. And we'll come back next week, pick up there and see what adventures Eivor's going to take after that. You're going to make me wait a whole entire week? I am. That's rude. I have thoughts. Let's get them. So Gorm is the the son of Kyotve. Mm-hmm. So he's still alive and Kyotve is dead. Correct. Because Eivor has killed Kyotve. Correct. Okay. So you said that her killing of Kyotve is what sheds like her curse from her father of like being a coward and everything. Yes. So are there a lot of people around when she kills him or is like it just by reputation that like, how does this really cure or get rid of this curse in her life? So I'm, I need to go back to this. Steerborn, Sigurd basically tells Steerborn at the beginning of this, I am like the Jarl's son. I will be Jarl and king one day. We're going to take care of Kyotve because I will not rule over a land that has his plague in it. And so Steerborn finally just kind of caves and he authorizes the Raven clan to basically go to war with the Wolf clan. Okay. So the entire Raven and Wolf clan witnessed this fight between Eivor and Kyotve. So they all know, like, okay, this is basically war. It's not just, like, something random. Correct. Gotcha. That makes more sense to me. Um, Another thing I'm curious about is Hytham. You -hmm. said he's an assassin. Mm -hmm. And he comes with Basim. We know Basim was, at one point, an assassin. Um, I guess my question is, and maybe you don't have an answer, the name Hytham is very interesting seeing as how we have the character of Haytham, right? Um, from Assassin's Creed 3. I had to think about which game I was on. So, you know, obviously in 3, Haytham Kenway is Templar like Grandmaster, but his dad, Edward, right, was an, mm-hmm. an assassin. So is like Haytham the great, 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 great ancestor of of Edward Kenway, like, do we know any of this information? We do not. We know nothing. Well, yeah, because, you know, like, rando Middle Eastern person living in England in the ninth century isn't going to have a lot of historical data written about them. Well, I mean, yeah, most likely, but you never know. You could argue, you could make the argument for different things, I think. Right. I mean, it is possible he does settle in England and presumably die there. So it is possible. Um, we just don't know. Uh, I do th- it sounds yeah, I unlikely. Do- yes. I had once made that connection is what I was going to say, but I couldn't find anything to connect it to. I think that in one of the like outer world things, like in the modern day stuff, uh, Sean has a little note about hypothesizing about it, but I can't remember. Um, and so, yeah. But Hytham will play a more major role coming up. We're not done with him yet, so we'll see more from him later. 
Interesting. Um, that's very fascinating. It, it's so interesting to me that Eivor has no connection to the Templars or the Assassins. Yes, and we will see that that doesn't really change. Right, and I know that that's something that people don't love about this game. Yeah. Um, it is a really interesting choice, and I, I guess I'm reserving judgment, not only until I play the game myself, but until we kind of see, like, what's the point? Like, what is the the ending of this story really going to be? Because I, I really genuinely don't feel like we can adequately judge Valhalla until we see what Mirage is like, just because it feels like Basm is so tied to this game, too. Right. Um Definitely, 100%. And, you know, a story might happen down the line and we might look back at Valhalla and say this was the most important game of the entire series. I mean, we do that that a lot in um, Dragon Age with Dragon Age 2. We're going back to that game and we're like, oh, here are the hints of this later on. I know. And like that, that, that stays the truth that just happened with, they just released a new Dragon Age TV show and there are connections to Dragon Age 2 in it. And so that's correct. Um, and you know, the same thing happened in Mass Effect. Mass Effect 3 had several missions that were like, Oh my God, this is connected to that one random side mission that I did or didn't do in Mass Effect 1. So, um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. So I think I want to see where they're going with this modern day story and other things like that before I judge Valhalla too harshly. Mm -hmm. But I have one kind of theory that I want to shoot by you. Yeah. So there is a scene before Eivor meets with Steerborn after returning to him after she frees herself from almost being a slave. And he's talking to an advisor, and I'll reveal who that advisor is in the next episode. But when he's leaving that advisor and Avor comes in, he says the phrase, may the, and then he's cut off. Uh-huh. So there are many people who believe that Steerborn is a member of the Order of Ancients. And that's why he doesn't want to move against Kyote. Mm-hmm. And he finally agrees to when Harold is going to help them because they believe that Harold is the Grand Master of the Order of that area because he's meeting with Harold's advisor when Eivor sees him doing that. Okay. So the theory is, is that Steerborn is actually an order of ancients, hidden order of ancients people, and that's why he behaves in the way that he does in the game. Let me take a guess. You don't agree, and you have an alternate theory. Uh, no, I think the theory is very compelling. Oh. Uh, I just find it unlikely that... Well, I guess not. I just find it unlikely that Basm and Hytham would come all the way to Norway to kill one Order of Ancients member mm-hmm. versus like there's others around there 
Um, but I think that's also possible. You know, Ezio sets out to kill like three people and uncovers a whole conspiracy. So, you know. That's true. I, you know, I also feel like priorities change, right? Like you may originally set out to do something and then along the way realize, no, no, I've got it all wrong. So that's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, like, I guess I just wonder if it's possible if any of the other clan leaders are members of, like, the assassins. Like, would Eivor's parents being assassins make sense for them to be attacked by this person, um, Kyobe, who may be a Templar? It is possible. And it's possible because, so, at this time in the story, Ragnar Lothbrok has already gone to England and the Danish, like, invasion and conquest of the British Isles has already begun. Okay. So they would have interacted with them. Well, we know that the Roman Brotherhood had had hidden one bureaus all over the Isle of Britain. So it's possible that the Vikings encountered them and brought back some of their ideologies to Norway by this time. So it is possible. That would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people ignore it because his name is Kyobe the Cruel. So he's just cruel. He just kills things because he wants them. I mean, I get that. And I know that that is breaking the um, code of the assassins, but we've seen assassins break the code previously. Right. But we know for a fact that Kyobe was an Order of Ancients member. Oh, I thought you were talking about... um, Varen. Yeah, thank you. No, it's highly possible that Varen and Rasta are hidden ones. Right. It's interesting. Um, Right, which is would explain why Varen does lay down his life because he would have the, at the heart of his creed to protect the innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that I want kind of just to point out to keep on your head before we head out is remember that Gorm is still alive. Remember Avor's quote of "Today I chose family over glory," and that's really it. All right. Well, this um, was very interesting, very eye-opening very uh intriguing i'm ready for part two yeah well we'll get to part two next week all right well thank you so much for listening to this episode of the assassin's creed lorecast we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the assassin's creed lorecast you can find us on twitter at assassin's creed lorecast or you could talk to us on discord in the robots radio discord or our personal discord server both links found in this episode's descriptions thank you for listening and always stay to the shadows to serve the light assassins Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.